0: Growing produce as a business is not easy. Growing it locally and organically is even more challenging. And there are all different ways of doing that. As part of our farming series, we've talked to family-run farms and cooperatives and all the ways in which they are connected to their communities. We have another great example of that this morning. We're talking with Susan Davidson of the Fraser Common Farm Cooperative. Susan, thank you so much for being here. Hi, good morning, Simi. Now tell me about Fraser Common Farm. How does it work? Okay,
1: so first of all, I'd like to say that we are located on the unceded territory of the Kwantlen First Nation. We're farming here as uninvited guests, and we're, um, yeah, we're doing our best to be respectful and compliant with what they would be proud of, which is what one of the reasons why we choose to, to maintain an organic farm. We have seven of our 10, uh, 20 acre holding is under production, the rest is, is uh, reserved for Wild species and um, yeah, it's it's not modified in any way. Fraser Common Farm was a cooperative that was incorporated in 1977, and it was um, it, it purchased in the colonial sense of the word the acreage. We've been paying the mortgage since then, and. Then in 1985, Glorious Organics Cooperative was incorporated, and it's the workers' co-op, worker-owned and operated co-op, that actually does the farming um, on Fraser Common Farm.
0: Wow, okay. So it's a lot of work that goes into this. What do you grow there? We do, uh,
1: our our original product was a a mixed pre-cut salad blend that we used to service the ice Icicles restaurant I think it was in the um Expo 86 um oh boy, Northwest yeah. <laughs> Territories pavilion that was what really launched us and it was at that time there were no other there was no other production of pre-cut salads so we've been doing that since that time and and what it allows us to do on land that's very varied probably not considered to be you know very um prime farmland but it allows us to just match the various components of our salad, of which there are over 50 different ingredients, to the low wetlands, the high dry lands, the rocky land, the, the, the prime, um, you know, deep soil uh, land, and, and, and we've, we've built our business around that celebration salad, which is our signature.
0: Right. Susan, this is so fascinating, because you're not just deciding, oh, I want to grow X, and then making the land do that. You're kind of deciding what the land can produce, and you're producing that. That's
1: exactly our approach, which is, yes, to work with, so we have, you know, we have fruit trees now that are, well, they're struggling. We've really, really noticed the last, I would say, seven years as as the climate has significantly shifted. Our pest populations are much, much different, and our farming conditions, we basically had to almost throw out a planting plan that we've, you know, uh, figured out from trial and error over 30 years, it's, it's, it's not relevant in these circumstances. So, Our fields right now are so dry that we're not even able to do a lot of the
0: plantings that would create the crops six weeks from now. Really? So then how are you going to adapt to that? What are you going to do?
1: Well, the nice thing about the pre-cut salad is you can always use the plants that can survive these conditions. So, for example, purslane is... Um, it's an invasive crop to some farmers for us it's a really prime salad ingredient it's a it's one of the few plant sources of omega fatty 3 acids and it's just thriving i mean it started in the heat dome and it's been going crazy so there's always seems to be you know enough species that through irrigation and and good management and you know, working with nature that we can put together a salad with.
0: I'm fascinated, Susan, you've been doing this since the late 70s, the 80s. You've certainly seen kind of food trends change during that time, right? To what you were doing was revolutionary, and now it seems like a lot of people want to do this.
1: Exactly, yeah. But there isn't anybody who's doing the the restaurants. We have about 30 high-end restaurants, and... One of their main reasons for sticking with us is the celebration salad. It's deliberately labor intensive because one of our goals was to create employment on our land base. It's really tricky to find you know, jobs in in places like Aldergrove. And so that was one of the reasons we developed crops that really needed care and attention in addition to sales. Right.
0: Have you ever thought about, like, expanding, or do you think, no, no, this is what we can handle, this is what we're doing?
1: This is what we can handle, and we're probably going to downsize given the nature of the climate and the the, the extreme weather events are really, really difficult to to supply clients in the kind of reliable and quality manner that we've built our brand around. So we're, we're really just observing what's going on and figuring out what we actually can do well under these circumstances. We're on well water here, mm-hmm. and it's a shallow aquifer, and the aquifer, you know, is at
0: risk. Right. So when do you think, you know, are you going to wait another year to see what happens next year or how long will this plan I hardly don't
1: want to talk about next year. And we've always started talking about next year, you know, mid-season so that we can make the changes, try out the changes that we think we want to make. Right now, I'm barely talking about today and tomorrow.
0: Oh, wow. Susan, what do you want people to know? Like, one of the reasons we're doing this series is we want people to know where the food on their plate comes from, right? And I think we, we need more of that.
1: I think what I would love people to know is that if they can only have a salad, if there's romaine lettuce in it, they need to lighten up. They need to really work with us in terms of what we can grow. We've got nutrient-dense foods, but they may not be the ones that people choose to be accustomed to. So varying the diet in in keeping in line with what we can reliably and, and, and productively grow is really important. And the other thing I wanted to, I talked a bit about with your fellow yesterday, is that supporting local does not mean, you know, phoning me up and saying, can I come to your farm and buy, you know, garlic? Supporting local farmers is allowing them to do the farming. So if they would support the farmers' markets where we take the food to the city, that's really important to us because, okay. especially small farmers, we can't be doing, you know, sales as well as growing. Right. Well, that's that's, what we are
0: operating. That's exactly what we want people to know. Susan, thank you so much for your time and best of luck. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. Susan Davidson is a shareholder and director of Glorious Organics, which is part of the Fraser Common Farm Cooperative. You can hear the challenges in there, right, of just growing local and keeping things running and the challenges they're facing from climate change alone. Our Keep It Local series continues all this week.